Welcome, and thank you for joining us for this On Aging Conversation. I'm Barbara McMillan, Provincial Community Engagement Coordinator for United Way British Columbia's Health Aging Team. I'd like to start by acknowledging and expressing appreciation for the opportunity to live, work, and gather on the traditional ancestral territories of all First Nations in this land we now call Canada. On Aging Conversations is a collaboration between Healthy Aging Corps and Health Age Canada. If you missed earlier episodes, you can find them on Apple or Anchor Podcasts, on YouTube, and on Healthy Aging Corps Canada, the national knowledge hub connecting agencies that support and advance independent living for older Canadians. And the lineup of On Aging speakers on Core and links to the recordings, along with a lot of other interesting and useful information, can be delivered to your inbox if you're signed up for the twice-monthly Core e-news. Find it at www.healthyagingcore.ca. On Aging Conversations was launched to help bring to a wider audience some of the ideas, innovations, and perspectives that we're privileged to encounter in the field of healthy aging. But today's conversation will be a bit different because I will be joining my colleague, Aman Faisal, as the guest of Gregor Stedden, CEO of HealthAge Canada, your host for On Aging. Over to you, Gregor. Thanks, Barb, and welcome to the show. <laughs> HealthPage Canada supports community-based initiatives through its partnerships across Canada and abroad to improve the lives of older persons and their communities. As Barb mentioned today, we're actually hosting Barb and Aman uh, today because we are going to talk about emergency preparedness and older adults. Barbara is the Provincial Coordinator and Community Engagement, Government Relations and Government Programs Lead for United Way British Columbia and Healthy Aging British Columbia. And Aman Ali Fazal is the Coordinator, Emergency Response and Partnerships. And we're just so lucky to have them with us today to talk about what they've been doing there in BC and with Core Canada for emergency preparedness and older adults. Emergencies are happening, sadly, all the time. We had Hurricane Fiona out east this last year. BC has been dealing with its heat dome, the incredible number of forest fires all over, especially in the Okanagan. You dealt with those terrible floods last year. There's all kinds of ecological stress. And other places in the world, too. You know, conflict, zombies. But, you know, how did you get into this work? What was it that really triggered you there in BC to start engaging in such an intentional way in your response? Yeah, it actually started when we were developing Core Canada and looking for emergency preparedness resources specific to seniors to upload as a resource for those who use Core throughout the community-based senior serving sector, thinking that it would probably be useful information, you know, having seen the statistics around heat waves in Quebec and in Europe and the Paradise Fire in California and how such high proportions of those affected were seniors, those who died from these events. So I was really surprised that there was very little emergency preparedness and response information that was specific to seniors and mm. kept looking for it. And then I came across white paper prepared for the Canadian Red Cross called Closing the Gaps. It was a report and recommendations for municipal agencies, emergency organizations, and for community agencies to be better prepared for events like that, but also response interventions and recovery. The lead author of that paper was Dr. Samir Sinha, who many of us know and who was featured in an on-aging conversation very recently. And so I got in touch with Dr. Sinha to see if he would do a webinar that went through the report and talked about some of the recommendations and how the CBSS sector could be better prepared. It was about May when I 
spoke with him about it, and we scheduled it for September, that webinar. In the meantime, however, over the summer, BC experienced that notorious heat dome that affected so many people. Close to 700 people died as a result of it. Two-thirds of the heat-related deaths were among people aged 70 and older. By far, most of them were living on their own. There was a lot to talk about at that session, and that really generated a lot of interest from the sector, from the government as well. And subsequent to that, we realized that there was a lot that the CBSS sector could be doing in terms of connecting with emergency management organizations, local government, more coordination, and helping the different levels of government and particularly emergency management agencies to better understand the unique needs of older residents. We followed the webinar up with a provincial consultation, so some presentations, and Amon was one of the presenters to talk about what his uh, faith community did, as well as others who are working on the ground in communities and could provide some really valuable insight, but also talk about the gaps and the challenges and make some recommendations around where we should be going with all of this. Mm-hmm. Then we did a few more workshops and meetings, and yeah, it's led to the creation of a number of different programs and initiatives and Amon's position, which he'll be able to tell you about. For a lot of us who are listening, haven't necessarily been part of or been engaged in an emergency situation like that. Now, I know that the larger organization, United Way, was very engaged, but what was it like just as residents there of BC and having people that you know really affected... What is it like there to be in kind of generally in the midst of when this kind of disaster is happening so close to home? Well, we know that the community-based senior serving agencies go into full tilt mode to respond to the people who they know of, who are particularly vulnerable, and make sure that they are taken care of, that someone is addressing their needs. And in the case of the heat dome, there's cooling centers that not everyone can get there. So it's checking in on them. Actually, Aman can probably speak more directly to that because he was involved in some of those kinds of activities. Yeah, Mon, can you tell us a little bit, what was it like in the moment while all of this was happening? It was definitely very scary. And I think for for those of us who didn't necessarily feel the impact as much before, thinking about how inconvenient it was that it's just going to be so hot, you know, this upcoming weekend, whatever drugstore or department store you went to, the fans were sold out, the air conditioning was sold out. I think at that time, because we had never experienced it before, I don't think anybody expected it to be as bad as it was. And then in the moment, as we realized all of these issues, as we realized that cooling centers were getting too full or that those who don't have appropriate transportation or mobility couldn't actually even get to cooling centers. And that the default to when you're feeling warm is to turn on a fan, but it was so hot that even a fan didn't actually do anything. I think that's where we started to realize how concerning this really was. And a lot of what's evolved since then has certainly gotten us to a better state of preparedness, including my role. And so on the United Way BC side, I wasn't necessarily involved in the response, but on the volunteer side through the BC Smiley Council, I certainly was involved. And we had a team of close to 50 or 60 volunteers who were reaching out to seniors that they knew either lived alone or perhaps, you know, lived with other family, but we wanted to make sure that they had the appropriate arrangements to make sure that they were safe over the course of that three or four days that the high temperatures lasted. And so those 50 or 60 volunteers who, by the way, are older adults themselves made close to 2,300 phone calls that week to ensure that everybody was doing okay 
okay. And let's not forget that this was the height of the pandemic. And so even if some say needed transport or some needed certain supplies or whatever it is that they needed, there were extra considerations that we needed to have in mind to be able to respond. And so we thought about what type of supplies do we need, like thermometers to make sure that when we go check on seniors who are living at home, that we can actually get a sense of what their temperature is. Many may not have even realized how warm it was. So that was on one side of it. Then on the other personal side, I was thinking of my parents who, you know, at that time, my dad was at home alone while my mom was at work. So making sure he was okay, staying hydrated. And again, just not really fully understanding what we were up against, but just being in a lot of panics is how I remember for that Mm -hmm. time. As you engage in a process of emergency preparedness, could you just speak a little bit to what are the qualities that make an emergency preparedness plan successful? What are the key elements? Just generally speaking, what is an emergency preparedness plan and what are the components that you you have to think through to do it? It starts with recognizing and understanding that emergency preparedness is not a one size fits all because it's different for everybody based on your own family circumstances, your personal circumstances, and even where you live. So both Barb and I are from British Columbia. We live in the lower mainland. I live in an area called New Westminster and Barb lives in Horseshoe Bay or in kind of the West Vancouver area, which is probably about a 30 minute drive for me. But even in the event of say an earthquake, we are both up against very different challenges. The risks in Barb's area are more around landslides, whereas in my area might be more submersion. And so one of the most important things is knowing your risks, understanding what it is that you're up against, whether it's different types of extreme climate here in British Columbia, of course, earthquakes, we're now much more aware of uh, the possibility of a pandemic and other types of diseases like that. So the first piece, I think, is understanding what risks are there and applying them kind of to your context. And then the second part is to then have a plan. So once you recognize what those risks are, is understanding the plan Definitely since that heat dome in in British Columbia, but also from what I've seen across the country, every province, every city, every municipality has their own resources and plans that are available for residents. And the majority of them actually publish them online. And so taking some time to understand what your community has in place for you in the event of an emergency is very important. Because if you do need to evacuate, or if you do need to go to a cooling center or any other type of resource, knowing where that is, is naturally very important. And then thirdly, just as important as having an emergency kit at home home. You know, initially, we were talking about having a kit that could sustain you for up to 72 hours, because that's how long it could take for first responders to get to you. But the discussion now is more plan for a week, if you can plan for it taking up to seven days for a first responder to get to you. And so having an emergency kit with the appropriate first aid supplies with food with, you know, medication, if you require it, all that is very important as part of your preparedness plan. One thing I would add as part of your plan is knowing your neighbors and how important Mm -hmm. that is, because you may need help. For example, I have limited gripping ability because of osteoarthritis in my hands. So if I have to turn off my gas line because of an earthquake, that would be a struggle for me. So knowing Mm -hmm. who on my street will be able to come and help some of us out with that kind of thing. So knowing your neighbors who can check in on you or, or provide a bit of support for specific things. Where I live uh, near the water, we know that having our Royal Canadian 
marine search and rescue crew uh, available and, and people who own boats in the local marina to be able to evacuate or get people where they can get to a hospital is going to be very important because we only have two roads in and out and one has really a few big bridges and if there's an earthquake mm-hmm. first thing they'll do is close the bridge so thinking about those kinds of situations as Amon pointed out you know knowing what the risks are and then having some idea how you could deal with them and who you can rely on in your community because it is going to be quite a few days in most cases before outside help is able to come. So you kind of identified, I think, three really key areas. One is understanding your particular context and risk. And that would include knowing your neighbors and your particular situation and your risks personally, but also in your region. Secondly, is to have a plan, develop a plan and to understand the resources that are available to you in your region. And thirdly, to have a kit at home with some basic provisions and supplies and a mindset up to seven days. That's really, I think, three really strong takeaways. I've made a note here myself to plan for my family. That's fantastic. What are some of the particular considerations when we think about being inclusive of older people in emergency response planning? Like what are the, some of the unique needs that you need to consider and think about? Well, one of the things that we identified in our provincial consultation and other work is that while the community-based senior serving sector is on the ground in community and knows uh, many of the people who are particularly vulnerable. So that's where there needs to be resources and support because they are the ones that often have a relationship, those people, and can get help to them very directly. Whereas, you know, emergency management personnel are working at a much higher and different level. So really recognizing how important the CBSS sector is to provide more immediate support is really critical. And also understanding that there's a lot of people that may not be on anybody's radar. You know, they they might not be attending seniors programs or receiving, mm. you know, meals on wheels or or home care from from the local health authority. And so we have to think of ways to identify and support those who are kind of invisible right now and yet probably will be in the greatest need of help. So those all of those, you know, various compounding vulnerabilities that someone may face, considerations around temperature and so on would be the particular areas, I guess, that we need to be even more mindful of of with an older population. Yeah, mobility challenges, knowing that older people experience heat very differently and may not be aware when they're overheated and, you know, may not be hydrating or knowing that that they need to get out of a hot room. And many don't want to leave their room and go to a cooling center, you know, or they may have a pet that they don't want to leave behind. There's so Mm. many different uh, things to consider. And that's where the CBSS agencies really understand that and are well positioned to be able to address those those kinds of individual needs and concerns. What's happening on CORE? I understand there's some new resources coming out. And what is the CORE doing, CORE Canada doing for emergency preparedness? Barb mentioned earlier on that uh, on an ongoing basis, even pre-2021, this area of emergency preparedness uh, was identified as an important one. And we continued to add resources into CORE, both uh, BC and Canada. And um, we just recently launched a group specific for emergency preparedness and response for older adults, where we've now included a variety of resources and continue to include a variety of resources specific to older adults and um, emergency preparedness uh, and response. United Way BC last year, I think it was last summer, launched a funding opportunity in partnership with the Ministry of Health. And that provided 
organizations an opportunity to apply for funding and uh, use that funding to come up with plan and infrastructure to support older adults in community in the event of um, extreme weather. And so what's come of that or what had come of that is in that in a variety of applications, we saw that organizations identified a need to have some type of uh, emergency preparedness guidebook tailored to older adults. So earlier on, we talked about the importance of uh, knowing your risks, having a plan and getting a kit. And so the need for this guidebook that was identified was to help older adults create this plan or build those uh, emergency kits based on uh, based on some type of template uh, that they could uh, easily, easily fill out. And so because we saw so many of these requests come in, we realized that rather than having 10, 15, 20 different organizations creating different versions of a guidebook with the same information, um, we would bring a few organizations together and uh, and support the release of this guidebook. And so um, we've partnered with a few other organizations here in, in BC to revise a guidebook that was created uh, in 2014. Um, and we plan to release it uh, in the first week of June during BC Seniors Week. That will be a guidebook that will not only inform older adults on how to prepare and what to include in their emergency kits, but will also act, again, as a little bit of a template to fill out the information of, as Barb pointed out, their neighbors, or to fill out um, information about their medication, or to plan to have uh, an emergency stockpile of of medication as part of their grab-and-go kit. Um, And so we're hopeful that we can get this guidebook in the hands of every single British Columbian older adult or every single older Canadian to plan for whatever whatever type of emergency um, uh, may occur in their area um, in the near future. Also, have it available um, in multiple in multiple languages. Uh, so for now, it'll release uh, in in English as well as a, a couple others, and then over time, we'll continue to translate as um, as we're able. And where would we where would someone access this resource, Amon? Is it will it be on the core website or? Yeah, we will have the uh, the guidebook available through the core Canada and core British Columbia websites. Uh, we'll distribute it on, of course, the United Way BC social media and um, our various um, uh, partners and other members of the uh, community-based senior services sector um, who will help us who will help us distribute. There'll also be an accompanying workshop, and and those slides will be available uh, on on the core website as well. Uh, but that will be an opportunity for organizations to roll this guidebook out to their community um, in a way that's very simple and and easy. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, well, thank you for that. Well, gosh, uh, there's there's a really a lot to consider when we think about emergency preparedness and just how critical it is. Of course, it's the thing that you, well, it's never going to happen to me or it's not going to happen here. And that's when we're we're left unprepared. And I think this is really apropos as we head into the summer to hear from you both and uh, to share with us these amazing resources that you are putting together for all Canadians. I wonder, Barb, do you have any, or, or Amon, any, any last comments or ideas you'd like to share with us about emergency preparedness? preparedness? I have just maybe one thought, you know, Gregor, you very correctly pointed out kind of those three takeaways in terms of knowing your risks, having a plan and getting a kit. I think the other takeaway that I would reinforce uh, that Barb has already mentioned is the importance of collaboration, mm-hmm. whether it's organizations or networks collaborating to, to have a cohesive uh, response, 
or just as individuals and as families collaborating with your neighbors in your community. We already know that in the event of an emergency, first responders are going to be uh, are going to be slammed so that they will be busy. They may not get to those who need the help as quickly as, as they would like to. And so understanding and knowing your neighbors and, and having uh, even a neighborhood plan is very important. So for me, the, the biggest takeaway would be that collaboration piece, whether you're an individual or an organization. Yeah. And the one thing that I would add is that is is about collaboration and coordination. And uh, we're also going to be really um, uh, encouraging and promoting that local, regional and the provincial level. Um, and part of how we'll approach that is is through really showcasing effective models or, of where that already happening, where community-based senior serving agencies are working well with their local governments and their emergency services offices and working together to identify gaps and, and address them and really collaborate on the ground, but also at other levels, including planning and policy work. Excellent. Well, this has been such a great conversation. Thank you to you both, Aman and Barb, for uh, illuminating this for us all today. And we wish you a safe and happy upcoming summer. And the same to you. To all who are listening today to our On Aging Conversation and check in again in a couple more weeks.